Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. If you want to know what developer relations can learn from Guns N' Roses, this is the episode for you. Today, I'm talking to PJ Haggerty, who was one of those people who was there at the dawn of developer relations. We talk about how his time in a band, not Guns N' Roses, uh, but a pretty cool band nonetheless, helped him understand community. We talk about how in the early days of developer relations, uh, we're only talking 10 years ago, uh, we were all just kind of making it up. We talk about one of the greatest conferences that ever happened, Distill on Treasure Island, run by Engine Yard in 2014, and still talked about to this day. But this episode is really about the journey into developer relations. A lot of people these days would like to work as a DevRel, but how do you get there? Where do you start? And what ethos do you need to bring to the work to make it successful? Well, let's talk to PJ and find out. PJ, welcome to the Fireside with Box Gig Podcast. It is great to have you here today, all the way from Buffalo, New York. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I mean, this is definitely much better than shoveling snow, which is what I'd be doing right now. <laughs> I was thinking maybe, because uh, we were talking before we started, uh, maybe we'll just scrap the DevRel stuff and just talk about Guns N' Roses. We could we could go on. Yeah, there's a there's a long history of Guns N' Roses in the, in the Buffalo, New York community that, that we could get into. I don't know if that's what the listeners want, though. <laughs> Yeah, let's come back to that one. Um, so a lot of people ask me, how do you get into DevRel? Uh, a lot of people, I don't know, maybe they, they like the lifestyle. Uh, all that travel kind of sucks, by the way. Um, but it is, it's very rewarding career because you are doing things for people and you're meeting tons of interesting people um, and you're learning new ideas all the time. Uh, it's one of the things that attracted me to it when I was doing it in my previous work. Uh, and you've ended up doing it, but you have this really long multi-stage journey. And I think it's yes. um, sort of an archetype, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, they, like it's it's almost like a, a gigantic Hollywood style epic. Like it's 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 like St it's Spielbergian in in nature, the story of how I got into DevRel. <laughs> a three-act structure, maybe? Yeah, yeah, we can do we can do that. I mean <laughs> well, okay, let's 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 start at the start, right? So how did you get into tech? And then did you make deliberate choices or did stuff just happen to you? Let's go it, all the way. Of, yeah. It's kind of a combination of both. Like uh when, when I was very young, um I I I start I I was interested in technology. And we're talking like VCRs, like people didn't have home computers, but like things like VCRs fascinated me. I'm like, why does this work? Why does my Walkman work the way that it does? Um, and just curious, and I would often take things apart, not really realizing that I did not have the skills to put them back together. You have a dead um, right? Yeah, yeah. I ooh, you, I, The part, you know, because this isn't video, the part you can't see is the number of broken technology items I have in the room around me. Um, but, you know, to me, it was, it was always interesting to see how people interacted. And uh, I was lucky enough that when I was uh, about seven or eight years old, my grandmother opened a bank account and was given a, a Texas Instruments computer that she could plug into the back of her television set and use regular like Dolby cassette tapes to record and balance her checkbook. Um, she had no interest in this whatsoever. 
Uh, so I, you know, I took the little book that came with it that that had basic and it was, you know, some basic programs written in basic. You could make snowfall on the screen. You could do some, you know, easy arithmetic on it. And I was like, this is so cool. This is super cool. But like, there's not a whole lot of use cases for that when you're eight years old. So that kind of got boring after a while and I, I put it aside. Um, on the other side of things in my life, like I've always been fascinated by music. I love making music. I love playing music. I love listening to music. I'm obsessed with it. Um, it's 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 my my true passion. Uh, so I'd often go back to that and then go back to technology. How does an electric guitar work? Why does why you know how when someone goes into a studio, how does that whole system work? Um, and I would look into that. So I was lucky enough to go to a very special high school. That, uh, it's closed now, but it's called the Buffalo Academy of Science and mathematics and there they had a uh they had a programming course uh we would learn turbo pascal 5.5 and i've heavily dated myself simply by saying those words this is in high school right this is in high school yeah yeah i was probably about uh 14 years old at this point and uh they had a a a library program where you could check out a so-called portable computer um, so me being 14, I weighed about maybe 80 pounds, maybe let's, just, let's say I weighed about 36 kilo. Um, the, the computer that I was supposed to bring home weighed about eight or nine kilo. So it was easily about like half my weight. Like it was not, it was, it was significant amount of weight. Um, it was heavy. Uh, it was cantankerous It you know, you had to load up with discs, but man, you were the coolest kid in the world because you were on the bus with a computer. With a battery life that lasts a good ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From our from our library. Yeah. Check it out. Not not a no. no, Yeah, you check it out like a book. It was the school's library, not like a public library. Okay. Okay. Um, But yeah, first 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 place to have that program was super exciting, and we would do that. Um, And later, because you know we had taken these courses and finished our math requirements, we were able to take a a telecourse in calculus. So remote learning pre Zoom. This is uh, nineteen ninety three in my, my last year of high school and we're taking calculus on a computer in a remote classroom over a speakerphone with a shared chalkboard. And like these, these kind of things have always fascinated me. So at that point in time I was, I was, you know, I was playing in bands. I was doing some computer stuff on the side. We'd gotten a, a, a good old windows 3.1 computer, 386 that I took and I ran Norton commander on it and started getting on BBSs. And that's where the social computer aspect kind of started. Yeah. But you know, learning how to program, what's HTML, how do you backdoor, maybe getting into a little trouble with the law, things like that. Um, and having some meetings with people that I didn't want to have meetings with. Uh, but we don't need to talk about that. That's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, I graduated, went to went to college and realized I didn't like college. I wanted to be in a band. So I did that for a few years, just kind of completely left technology behind. Um but being in a band has this huge social aspect to it. You need to be very, very ingrained with the community that is your listeners, your fans, um, and understanding what they need and what they want. So I did that for a while, came back to the world of technology in the early 2000s when I uh, I, I moved away, I moved back to Buffalo to start a family and realized I should probably get a degree because that's a thing you're supposed to do, right? I mean, that's, you know, if you are a person of a certain age, there's an expectation that you will go to college and get a degree. Um, so I did that. And I, I, of course, went with programming because it was the easy default. I already kind of knew how to do it. I kind of stayed in touch with my tech skills over time. I said, all right, let's let's go for this. Um, so I did, graduated, worked as a programmer for a while, uh, building websites on the side, consulting, uh, as well as working. You know, I was working in deaf school for a while as their webmaster, 
went in and started building, you know, uh, commercial applications with a, a an, an academic company, which is a lot of fun. And then uh, this opportunity to work at a company called NGR to come around. Um, at this time, I'd been coding in Ruby for about three or four years. Uh, I loved the community, and Engineered was always at these community events. And so I said, I'd love to go. Um, moved over to Engineered, and a couple months later, I went to a conference called Steel City Ruby, and that's where the whole game changed. Um, there was a gentleman in the Ruby community named Jim Wyrick. And uh, Jim was like Santa Claus of Hello World is the best way to describe him. Every time he gave a talk, and this man was late fifties, early sixties, well into his career. And he would get up and say, Hey, I made this AR drone do this. And it was so amazing to me that I got to lift it off the ground and land back down. He was so excited that hello world was everything that he did. Um, and he could deeply explain to you the guts. He he created rake, which is make for Ruby. Like oh, this guy was oh, not. Oh, oh wow. Okay. That yeah. was that Richard, I think you met him. Um, Cause he, he was at distill as well. But um, yes, like he, I, he I remember, yeah, yeah, just a great, great guy. And whenever we would drive to a conference, or or you know, it was you know easily portable, he would say, "Hey, bring your guitar. You know, we'll skip lunch. We'll play a guitar in the hotel lobby or wherever." And he was one of those people like knew all of the chords to all of the songs. Um, and I am not a skilled guitar player. I'm I'm a drummer by trade, uh, but I'd never give up, never pass up the opportunity to go play with Jim. Um, so we were we were kind of sitting there jamming, and, and another friend of ours, Corey Haynes, came up and he's like, you know, PJ, you're always at these events, you're always at these Ruby things, but you never give a talk. And I said, well, I've got half an idea of something I might want to talk about someday. And he said, cool, cool. And kind of walked out of the room, and we kind of assumed that he was going to get some sodas or grab another slice of pizza or something. He comes back in the room, he goes, hey. <laughs> I signed you up for a lightning talk. And I said, you did what? <laughs> that's a good place to start, right? Lightning talks. The way it's the perfect place to start. So first actionable advice, start with a lightning talk, but not there this one. Right. Um, I was like, Corey, I, I I don't have slides. I said I had half of an idea. He's like, no, no, you're fine. You're going after me. I'm like, oh, geez, that's even worse. Um, so I was watching the lightning talks, kind of trying to pick up tips and figure out how people were doing this. Didn't have time to put together slides. And my turn comes up and I get up on stage and I gave a talk about how, how you should treat your meetup like a like an open, open source project. It should have more than one maintainer. The community should drive the direction of where it goes. Things like this. Um, and I finished in about four minutes instead of five and I walked off stage and I was like, well, check that off the bucket list. I have spoken at a conference. That's great. Don't need to worry about that. And I stepped outside to to have a cigarette, to be to be perfectly honest, because that was a very harrowing experience. And a, a gentleman walked up to me and said, "Hey, um, we're doing a Ruby conference in Kansas City in a few months. Would you be willing to go?" And I looked at him right in the eye, and I said, uh, "I don't know if I'm even allowed to do that, because at the time, as, as you know, like I had moved from being a programmer to being more of a DevOps sysadmin SRE type with Engine Yard, which was a cloud platform." Um, and so I said, I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's like not really in my job description. And keep in mind, this is at a time, this is like 2012. There's no such thing as DevRel. No, it wasn't. Con- we invent, you have to invent it, right? You have to- yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was like completely made up. Uh, people, like, this was the, 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 the primordial ooze that DevRel was growing out of was this idea that you would have someone who spoke at conferences. Um, so I called my boss and I said, Sean, can I go speak at this? And he said, yeah, Absolutely. Um, 
That led to another talk in Tel Aviv that led to a talk in Lyon. Around that time, um, our mutual friend, Eamon Leonard, uh, said, hey, um, I see that you're doing a bunch of talks. And I said, yeah. He said, why don't you ever come to Ireland? I said, well, I'd like to. Um, he said, what do you think about starting a community team? And I said, what the hell is a community team? And he goes, I have no idea. Let's figure it out. So this is in the context of Engine Yard, right? You guys yeah. are both working in Engine yeah. at the time. And that that's kind of how it happened. We did we didn't call it DevRel, we called it a community team. We didn't call it, you know, developer evangelism, because that sounded a little too like some marketing person had made up that term. Um, like we weren't going out and saying, rah, rah, engine yard's so great. We were writing content about how to build Ruby gems or how to do a node copter event or why composer is the most important part of PHP. We were finding money for different programs so that these open source developers could develop the tools that our customers were benefiting from. Um, we were, you know, just trying to find opportunities to, to teach what was going on in these communities to as many people as we possibly could. And we never thought of it as, oh, like, uh, this this is, you know, this is something we should be paid for outside of our regular, like, this was our regular job. And telling people got one of two reactions. Oh, my God, you're the luckiest person in the world. And that's never going to last. There's no way that could possibly be a career choice. Um, so that was 11 years ago. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Um, I mean, I've, I've gone through a lot of different phases of, you know, the different aspects of DevRel. I've worked at large corporations. I've worked at tiny startups. I started the first ever, as far as I know, DevRel consultancy, um, back in 2016, 2017. Um, I've, I've pretty much run the gamut of what you can do in DevRel. And I got to tell you, if you want to get into this, cause, cause I think where we started was, how does one get into this? You have to be willing to, to to put in the miles. I think that's that's the key takeaway. Um, you have to be willing to get up on stage. You have to be willing to write a blog post. You have to be willing to do a Twitch stream, make a video, write documentation, and you have to be able to, to, to interact with developers in some level. That doesn't necessarily mean writing code. That helps a lot. Um, but not every DevRel team is a developer tool. Yeah, we're, we're not gatekeeping um, here, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could be that that's what you need to do. It could be that that's not what your community needs right now. Yeah. So figure out what it is the community you want to work with needs and fill that gap. PJ, there is uh, there's a whole lot to unpack here, right? Um, <laughs> I just I'm just comparing that's what it... my therapist says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just comparing it to my own experiences because uh, for the first ten years of my software development career, I was in a dark room coding. Yeah, exactly. Attend events at all, right? So. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be in your blood. You can, you can turn your life around. You, you can't actually, you know, talk to people, yeah. and join communities. I'm, I'm DevRel and so can you. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the reasons why I've always been endeared to the Ruby community, um, a lot of it is, is, is down to my good friend, Brian Lyles. Um, I was working at, at, you know, as a dev at, at that academic software company. And uh, I was teaching, like I, I was a Visual Fox Pro developer, big Microsoft developer, and that that in and of itself is embarrassing. That's, Visual uh, Fox yeah, Pro archaeology, man. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to learn more about Visual Fox Pro kids, head to local libraries. And, and, but, and uh, no code is no code is coming back. So you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, Fox Pro is such a weird thing. But uh, it, it, so we were doing that, and then that got end of life by Microsoft, and and big panic. What do we do? And the head of development's like, well, Postgres does querying like, like, uh, like Fox Pro does querying. 
let's use Postgres. What, which, what works well with Postgres? Ruby on Rails. Can you learn it? Um, and I was like, no, because uh, I, you know, I had kids. I had hockey practice. I had dance class to get to. Like, there's more important yeah. things on my weekend than learning Ruby on Rails. But uh, we went to a meetup, met a bunch of the local folks, and then we got a free ticket to go to a conference called Voices That Matter, um, which was 100% an event to sell the book The Railsway by Obi Fernandez. Um, you will hear people in the in the Ruby community call it ObiConf because that's what it was. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh, I the only events I had been to had been Fox Pro or corporate or academic events. So I walk into this place and I'm wearing you know khaki pants and a blue button up shirt because you know I'm carrying a legal pad because that's what you take to a visual uh, Fox Pro event. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know I just told him to, to meet up with this lady who'd given us the ticket and. I, I met her and I'm like, you know, I'm not sure where to sit or anything like that. I don't know if there's assigned seats. And she says, well, have a seat here. And I sit down with Obi Fernandez, Tamara Soleil, and Brian Miles. And these are all like, they're at the height. Oh, and on my other side was Sandy Metz. So the people at the height of their Ruby career, these people are Ruby famous. And I don't know I have any idea who any of them are. Um, I'd been doing Ruby for a week. And Brian leaned over to me and goes, hey, man, um, you don't look incredibly comfortable I'm like yeah it's not like and everybody's wearing like jeans and t-shirts and stuff and i'm like yeah i didn't really know what to do and he's like well how far is your hotel like it's right around the corner he goes go put on some jeans grab a couple of these t-shirts these people are giving away for free he goes there's no need for you to be not, not relaxed yeah. um and that like that simple gesture that that quiet conversation first of all sparked a friendship that's last you know lasted 15 years so far but also showed me the value of like you take care of community members. You you see someone who does who looks like they don't feel like they fit in, and you help them to feel like they do. And that's always been my attitude in Devrel. Find the person in the room who thinks they don't belong and help them to feel like they should. Yeah, I I, I guess that I've always been not jealous inspired by the ruby community it is it, it, it's always been one of those uh amazing communities that that has been really kind mm -hmm. um you know when i've been the, the kind of node community and then you know we, we tried to bring that over I, I think you lose something when it gets really really big uh um, yeah then i went into microservices which was kind of enterprisey and uh, right i mean that's yeah, but it doesn't have the same spirit you know yeah, no, every every community is different. That's the one thing that I, I learned. And you know, being on that that team with with Eamon and Engine Yard, like we decided very early on, we started with, you know, I was the Ruby guy and Davy Shafik was the the PHP guy and and Richard uh was our was our node slash Java guy. And that was you know, that's who we were, that's what we did. And never the twain shall meet. And after like six months, I was like, I want to go to your events. I need to see what it looks like on the other side. There's no way I can do this job properly and sit here and only work with one group of people. I need all of the people. Um, because the one thing that no one tells you when you're getting into DevRel is this is an addiction. Um, and you you become addicted to interacting with people, talking to people, hanging around with people, figuring out what they're doing, learning new ways of doing things. Um, I could rewrite Hello World a million times over in every language I could possibly learn just because it pushes the needle a little bit forward and it's exciting to me. Um, I, you know, I don't need to be, you know, a computer scientist who's figuring out, you know, exactly how to eliminate the N plus one problem in all of the querying languages minus indexing because it takes too much time on, on various cloud platforms. I don't need, I don't need to figure that out. What I need is how do we help 
help people do things better with technology. And the more technology you learn, the constant learning, the constant talking to people, that's that's the part that gets really addictive. It can have a, a transformative effect. I um, I ended up writing a book on microservices because um, we invited uh, Fred George, who was one of the first guys to figure the whole thing oh, out. He's awesome. To our, to our meetup, right? And mm-hmm. it was literally like, you know, I was one of the co-organizers and trying to organize drinks or whatever, not really paying attention. I, and I, it was magical. I, I was just watching this guy talk and I was like, oh my God, this is the way I'm going to build software now. Exactly, exactly. And seeing that magical moment, if you can inspire that in people, like it's great to have that feeling, but if you can inspire that light bulb moment in people, oh, there's nothing better than that. That's a yeah, that's why it's addictive, right? That, that's, that's what you mean. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. can change people's lives, literally. I mean, that's only software development. It's only, you know, a job. But I don't know. You get to build things, and it, that does stuff, I think. That does stuff for you. Exactly. 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 And it, to me, I think that their crossover comes when I look at, like, you know, my past and, and my present. Um, like, you know, the building of music and seeing the way that people react to that, that's not all that different from what we do in DevRel. You create right. a talk or you write, you know, a piece of content and people react to it. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. Or even if they're like, that's absolute garbage. Um, you're like, well, I've gotten a reaction out of you and I know what to do next. I'm going um, uh, to pull my pro stand-up comedian move here and bring us all the way back to Guns N' Roses. And- nice. <laughs> it's the callback, folks. Here comes the callback. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I totally planned this. Uh, no, so, so I've read all the, all the biographies the guys have written. And it's really interesting. You, you talk about your years in a band that building community around the music. And I remember, I can't remember which which book it was, but when Guns N' Roses was coming up, uh, they did all their own promo, right? And Slash mm-hmm. drew the artwork for the flyers. Uh, right. Right. So they were, it wasn't just like a bunch of guys who made music and then they got lucky. People forget mm-hmm. the huge amount of community work that went into making that happen. They were they were there in LA, but they were immersed in that community. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people don't know, like Guns N' Roses isn't, Guns N' Roses is kind of like version five of the band or something, right? It was like- Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, right? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's funny because I, I always think back, whenever I think of Guns N' Roses, I think back to that first video of Welcome to the Jungle. Where it starts with, I mean, okay, so we're going back to when MTV used to show full form videos. Yeah. And there's like a few seconds before the music starts. And they show an Axl Rose, hair down, it's not puffed out yet, um, flannel shirt, um, if you'll excuse the term, shit kicker boots, and beat up jeans stepping off a bus in Los Angeles. Because he, he you know, and he later admits to the NBR, he was a hick from the Midwest. That yeah. wanted to make it big in music, and he didn't know how. And he showed up in LA, and all of this was happening. Um, but they had to hustle so hard to get from that kid who got off the bus to I'm stepping on stage and singing "Welcome to the Jungle" with the Whiskey A Go Go. Oh yeah, I mean, if if you want to know how to do a startup, go read the uh, go read the guns, go read their go, go read their books because yeah, there's a lot to learn from that. Uh, Absolutely. That, okay, so just bringing it back to. <laughs> bring it back to our, our small real lives um the, the the power of engaging with the community like that is awesome uh and i think the thing that i feel is, is a little bit lost or that people need to kind of keep front and center in mind is uh 
the authenticity of the community. So back in those days, it was Heroku, it was Engine Yard, there was a couple mm. of other people. Those are the only companies really selling to devs. Twilio, maybe, right? Who else was? Yeah, but that, I mean, they were they were a baby at the time. Yeah. Um, Rackspace. Rackspace. Like it was a lot of it was in that cloud pass space, that platform as a service space. Um, and it was all because AWS was just too damn hard to use. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like, yeah, there, I mean, there weren't a lot of, if you built a dev tool, no one knew about it. Yeah. You know, except for the, the small community of people who are using it. Like other than that, you didn't see, you know, like, like you do now, you didn't see gigantic banners on the floor of web summit where people are spending $20,000 for a 25 foot by 25 foot booth, um, to be like, Hey, come and use Jira. Yeah. Like that wasn't a thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably, maybe that's good. Maybe that's maybe I'm becoming nostalgic. (laughs) What you were making is so you guys were involved in any communities. You were, you know, you you were like I'm going to write Hello World in a whole bunch of different languages. You know, it's it's PHP or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, but it wasn't in the context of oh, and by the way, use Engine Yard. It was just we're going to support the community, right? And No, no, yeah. And I think maybe um, it's we were all kind of naive or something. We we kind of didn't connect the dots, uh, but it really worked. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, there there can be no uh, metric that, because we're talking about Devrel. Let's put the word metric in there. Um, but there can be no metric that shows you how much goodwill something will perform. And you know, I'll give you another great example. When we were there um, at the first distill, we launched uh, MH Prompt, which is Mental Health Prompt which is a speaker bureau specifically for people like Ed Finkler and Greg Boggess, uh, and Dr. Jenna Kulian to talk about mental health issues in tech and to give them a platform to do it and some money to do it with. Um, there was no way that would ever tie back to our product no. um, other than the fact that it said sponsored by Engine Yard. But the goodwill it created in the community helped us so much. People were like, hey, you know, these people are willing to put their money over the mouth and say this particular issue matters. This issue of you know equity and diversity, this matters. And they're not just saying it. They're not just throwing money at it. They're trying to solve the problem. And that kind of goodwill goes so much further than we sponsored your booth at PyCon. Um, or you know, we tossed some money towards your open source project. No, we 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 probably got more, I don't I don't know what the term is, but more, you know, under the radar business because of our ties to communities than we ever did because we were engine yard. So I wonder, does that mean to do DevRel well? You know, you need, you need some sort of background in tech for sure. Um, but before you do DevRel, you should put in some effort or experience communities in some way. And, you know, with you, it was mm-hmm. music. Um, is that kind of a prerequisite? I don't know because some of these skills can be learned, but the prerequisite is you have to want to deal with people. Yeah. Um, you have to be interested in what people are interested in. Uh, like I, I would even say you could forego the, t- you can learn attack background. You can pick up program. Anyone can learn. Anyone can learn that part of it. Technical part of it, learnable. The willingness to deal with people, even when they don't want to deal with you is I think a, a much bigger key. Um, I, you know, we always said, you know, at, at Deverlate, our, our motto is 
uh, we go to where the community is. We do not expect the community to come to us. And you have to have that willingness to like, you know, go to that pool, that community pool and jump in and then be willing to say like, Hey, I don't want to be the only person in here. Let's come do this. You know, wherever you are, let's jump in the pool with me. Um, you have to have that willingness, even though some people might be like, huh, I hate swimming. Um, I'm stretching this metaphor way too far, but like the, the, the idea is there, the, the idea that you really want to or a lightning token, right? Yeah. But I mean, it's like, you know, you, you get people into the thing that you're doing, they're going to want to be a part of it. Um, you know, when I, when I was at engineered, I, I, a lot of people, especially because the the competition, they're like, Oh, you and Heroku don't get along. And, uh, Terrence Lee and myself put together so many karaoke events because it was about the community and not about us that, you know, people began to learn like, Oh, maybe it's not about the product. And we would even tell people that you're like, listen, you're not ready for us. Go deploy on Heroku. Once you start to build the business up a little bit, you come to us when you're, you know, making some money or you're out of beta. That's fine. We, we're not going to be mad at you. We're not going to take your money and say, ha ha, we got you. And then you're going to use a product that isn't right for you. We, there was this brutal honesty that we had that I think that is, is missing a little bit in the world of like dev tools and dev, even DevRel today. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that the, where that's most acute is, there's a lot of companies these days that have to offer an API that have to offer development yeah. services. Uh, we just released a project today for a client. We did 15 different integrations with third-party service providers. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to experience 15 different versions of DevRel and community engagement, <laughs> documentation quality, and oh boy. Yeah, I'm wow. sure that was fun. From minus <laughs> infinity to plus infinity, right? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can tell you, one of the people that we worked with, one of the clients we had at Deverly was a, a large-scale bank um, that had 800 different API endpoints, and they needed documentation for every single one. Wow. And that was not fun. <laughs> but we learned from their community, and I mean, we kind of let them take the lead and say, all right, what's missing? What do you think, what do you think needs to be there? What's okay? What's completely unacceptable? What can we deal with for now? Um, and we let the community lead it, and that was not it's not a way a bank generally thinks. Um no, it's it's totally antithetical, right? That they don't exactly, exactly. So it was it was nice to get the opportunity and, and kind of get to to work in that way. But uh it doesn't you're lucky if you get to do that. And and that's that's the thing that I think that we haven't touched on yet, Richard. Yeah. And that's DevRel, in some ways, boils down a little bit every once in a while to, to to luck, being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right person. I mean, if I hadn't decided to bring my guitar that day, if I hadn't decided to skip lunch and hang out with Jim, would I be doing DevRel right now? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I haven't yet had anybody on this podcast or, or who I have spoken to who does this that didn't start out doing something else first. Um, oh, absolutely. It might be an accident of history. I mean, we, we may be entering a new era, right? We're, we're, because it has been around for 10 years. So, Yeah, I, mean, I, think, that, I think that it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's something that we, we talked about a little bit on the, on the Community Pulse podcast and, and my compatriots there, Wesley and Jason and Mary. And we've discussed the fact that like there's, and there was actually a lot of talk about it at DevRelCon in Prague last year, end of last year, about the fact that like it's becoming a thing. You're seeing more and more people saying like, oh, I don't come from a technical background and I've never done development and I've never done DevRel. 
I think I'd like to get into DevRel. And it's like, okay, that's an interesting turn of events. Or I've just graduated, or I've just finished a boot camp. I'd like to do DevRel. And it's like, this is, I don't feel like it was usually something that someone like, we deliberately set out to say, I'm going to move to DevRel. That is some that is definitely an occurrence of the last five years. And then over the last year, people who don't even have the technical background making they they know what DevRel is and making a conscious decision to move towards it is is I think gonna gonna come up with a whole new batch, a whole new look to the community of DevRel practitioners. Um and I I don't have uh I don't have any like foresight on what that's gonna look like in the long run. Um I think that we kind of went through our rough years of let's focus on influencers, and that's thank goodness, finally kind of going away. Um, I, you know, we saw that with some big companies buying out contracts and giving people ridiculous salaries and saying, well, you're an influencer, you have 50,000 followers on Instagram, you must be good at this job. And then realizing that they couldn't actually lead a community. Um, yeah, because, which is a totally, totally different scale. Totally. Exactly, exactly. I mean, like, I'm not saying that's not valuable. I'm just saying that when you're supposed to be working with a community and you're making it about you, that's that's not going to work out. Um, it's got to be about the people that are out there, not yourself. Um, that's just, you know, I, th I think these things though are going to change the face. And then there's, of course, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we turned the mics on, but the, the economic situation, what is that? Yeah, so I think, I think we should kind of roll towards the end, uh, by covering that a little bit. Um, because yeah, so let's hit the depressing stuff last. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's really, I'm not a low note. We're we're moving into a minor key. Uh, oh, these uh, these are cycles uh, I've been through. Mm -hmm. Three, don't worry, guys, it's going to go up again. Um, but right now, it is interesting to see what is happening to DevRel positions and people being laid off. Um, and the classic advice in a downturn is spend more on advertising and marketing. It always pays mm -hmm. off, and people always make the mistake of cutting it instead. Um, yep. Um, I mean, I, I address this a little bit, uh, you know, on, on Twitter and Mastodon. Uh, in 2023, and please shout this from the mountaintops, everybody who hears it, the last thing you want to do is cut your DevRel teams. The last thing you want to do is cut your developer marketing teams. These are the people, especially if you're building dev tools, these are the people who are bringing developers to the table. It is it is not your cold call sales teams. It is not your product Folks, I'm sorry, I hate to tell you that, but you might think you've built the best tool in the world, but if you don't have somebody to tell your story, no one's going to use it. Yeah, That's just a fact. Uh, and, and I'll just refer back to this project that I was just involved with. The best performing uh, developer service, uh, you know, they set up a, a custom Slack channel just for us. Uh, yeah. And they were highly responsive. They, I mean, they they were a startup, right? They, they probably not more than about fifty people, um, but they had prioritized it. You could get access to some of the senior devs straight away. Um, they didn't have the best documentation. They had a ton of bugs. Um, mm -hmm. They had serious missing features. Uh, but I love those guys. Totally right. We'll use again. Totally recommend to any. I'm safe recommending it to a client because I know they got my back. Uh, right. Compared to another service that we use that you know has been around for a while, super comprehensive documentation. Um, but it, it, 
you know, we're, we're, we're trying to set up a specific integration and how do I do it? I'm not going to spend a day reading documentation and there's no talks on YouTube. This is totally commercial. There's no community. Right. Uh, you know, it's just, no, I mean, I'd, I'd look for somebody else. Well, I mean, that's the, the biggest red flag to me when I'm looking at a new developer tool or I'm looking at a new language or whatever is I will go to like, you know, Stack Overflow or find out if there's a, a forum or some sort of public Slack or Discord. I hope it's not on Discord. We're adults, people. Um, but, you know, in all, in all seriousness, like if there's some sort of community conversations going on out there, I want to find that. And if there isn't one, that to me is a huge, huge waving red flag. That tells me that you don't understand who's 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 cutting your meat. Um, you don't understand who you're who you're delivering to. There's no way for people to talk to each other about their experience they're having with what you've built. That I here's a term that I will use that I'm glad that our current president of the United States has brought back. That's malarkey, people. Um <laughs> that that is uh it's no way to do business. Yeah. You have you you must have a community around the things that you do. Um and you know, I talked about this with a lot of clients when they come to Deverlate. Maybe you don't know there. There's probably is a community already out there. You just don't know that they're your community yet. You don't know who they are. You need to find them and start go talking buy, to them. Go buy them pizza. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> easiest hard. thing in the world. <laughs> Send a packet of stickers and buy them a pizza. Yeah, yeah, literally. Um, so I, I, I don't think anybody who's in this career or just starting out in this career in the space should feel too worried. Yeah. There's going to be stupid layoffs and people in DevRel are going to feel some heat. Um, mm -hmm. But it is a great time to do a startup as they say. Yeah. I mean, to, the next batch uh, of really cool startups are going to, going to happen. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it it's, it's something I said earlier, kind of tongue in cheek to, to someone I was working with, but you know, uh, adversity uh, really brings out, you know, who a person is. And right now, like, yeah, it's not a great time to be in Denver. It's not a great time to be in tech. Um, but it is a great time to start coming up with solutions. I think when we saw the last big bubble uh, back in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, and people were like, oh, no, this is, you know, tech's going to go away. What you saw was kind of the bloated giants of things like, and here we go dating myself again, AOL and Prodigy and the way that people interacted online, Usenet and IRC kind of becoming so hugely bloated that they fell over. But that's how people communicated. And now we have Facebook and Twitter and Stack Overflow and these big giants are getting too big for their britches again. And you'll see the flop over and you'll see certain, certain things will survive the storm. No problem. Microsoft isn't going anywhere. IBM isn't going anywhere. Google's not going anywhere either. Um, Facebook, I would, I would love for you to just leave the field, just walk away, please. <laughs> of, of, um, all, of all of them, I, I, yeah. What, what does Facebook even do anymore? Right? Yeah. If I, if I had to pick one, one piece of technology that we don't need anymore, it's Facebook. Um, Twitter has a redemptive quality where, I mean, Twitter is bad and then it's good and then it's bad and then it's good. That's always been its thing. Um, it is the, the worst I've ever seen it right now, but it, it could come back. I think that a lot, too many people have, have, decided that they want to build technology like Elon Musk. They want to build technology like Mark Zuckerberg. And that's why we're seeing some of the, the failures and announcements that we're seeing right now. 
don't worry about that. That what what that generally means is there's going to be a whole group of developers and smart folks and and people that come up with easier, better, more open source solutions, and they're going. We're going to see a, a bigger boom that we will see a bust. I think this time around. Yeah, and we haven't even discussed uh, Chat GPT or any of that fun, cool stuff. Uh, oh boy, that, China, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> What's that? I, I use it almost daily. It's very cool. I I definitely I have used it for everything from like it's mostly experimental. Like, could I create an abstract with Chat GPT? Yes, I, I could create an abstract. Could I build a website? Yes. Could I start a D and D campaign? Yes. Could I write a song? Yes. Uh, chat GPT is cool, but like, I, I think that, um, I agree with Nick cave and boy, do I never say that? Um, I agree with Nick cave. <laughs> it can do all these things, but it's kind of soulless. It doesn't yeah. have the, 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 the moisture of experience, the, 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 the lubrication that allows you to flow through life. It doesn't have that. Um, I'm not saying it never will. It could be that, you know, we, we create that. But uh, at this point in time, I think that ChatGPT is a baby of what it's going to be. It is it is nascent. It is it is childlike almost. Yeah, watch the space, and it's going to have some. I'm not going to predict anything. Some interesting effects on on Devrel for sure. I 100% agree, uh, and I think we're already seeing some of those. I, I've had some people ask like, "Hey, I wrote some content using ChatGPT." It's like, okay, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> But I mean, to each their own. Uh, but again, Jason Hand, who I do the Community Pulse with, he works at Microsoft, and he's used it to do like you know, oh, I have to do, you know, I have to put together a newsletter. What's the best way to take these topics? And if I feed them to ChatGPT, it'll kick me out and tell me what the best way to format this is, or the yeah. best way to send out a group email. Like I think it's going to automate a lot of things, but I don't know that it's going to be, um, the end all be all of everything in the same way that I didn't think that VR was the best play for everyone or that NFTs were ever a good idea. Um, it's just what we're talking about now. Uh, that will change over the course of this year. I, I, I almost guarantee. All of you have all these, yeah, you have all these pieces on the board that don't fit and some, somebody mm -hmm. figured out. Um, okay. That is a high note. <laughs> so we will, we'll take that one. I think. And, yeah. Uh, Totally. I mean, it all boils down to there's so much potential out there. Go out and grab it. Go out and grab it while you can. Absolutely. PJ, thank you so much. This has been fabulous. Richard, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter you can subscribe at voxgig.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.